Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from October 9th, 2022. Thank you and God bless. for this time together 
And Father, we uh, pray that this will be a productive time for all of us to remember you and to dedicate our lives to you. We uh, thank you most of all for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. <clears throat> One hundred forty-four. One four four. Father, hear the prayer we offer. Nor for ease I pray. Stricken by him and afflicted. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, as a sheep before its shears is silent. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord made his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he had suffered, he was the light of life and be satisfied. By, the, by his knowledge, Knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils for the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made an intercession for the transgressors. Let's play. pray. Um, Lord, we thank you. Um, and are reminded that the punishment um, that brought us peace was from you, and by your wounds we are healed. Um, this is a humbling passage to read this morning, and we thank you um, that our life and our justification comes from Christ, Lord. We pray that we would hold this in our hearts and our minds this week as we go to love and serve the people around us, that we would reflect you and reflect the love and the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, make us more like you. Humble us um, and teach us your ways, Lord. This morning we remember the sick and the needy and those that um, need help, Lord, all around us. We pray that you would open our eyes to them, help us serve them and love them, um, and be with us today, Lord. In your name, amen. <coughs> Fear not, little flock, says the Savior divine. 
and talk about the word salvation. Because there are times that we say it, and I want to say, you keep saying that word. I'm not sure it means what you think it means. And this morning, I'm not as much saying people think it means that, it doesn't mean that, instead it means something else. What I'm really trying to say is, they're saying that, and it kind of means that, but it kind of implies that there's more to it than that. So this is more of a... There's more to it than that, and everybody has been wrong how they use that word. Think about how we hear the word salvation, specifically in a faith context or a philosophical context. A few weeks ago, uh, Caroline and I were going to the Titans game. They were playing the Raiders, and we were walking over the pedestrian bridge. And there was a street preacher who had a microphone and signs, and he was talking about salvation. Caroline and I had a delightful discussion on the effectiveness of the street preacher. And uh, you've probably been in those situations where you're like, we have a lot in common. Like, he's my brother in Christ. We both think a lot of Jesus, but yet I don't completely agree with how he's framing everything and how he's talking about this. But I did think if, if you're going to talk about salvation at a Titans game, when the Raiders are in town, it's the Sunday to do it. Oh my goodness, some of the outfits I saw on Raiders fans, I don't know how they got through security. But anyway, I kept thinking, the way he uses the word, because it, it was a lot of this, and you've heard this before, if you, if you die tonight, would you be saved? And mainly what's being referenced there is, would you be saved from judgment? Would you be saved from hell? Would you escape hell? And what seems to come up a lot in that, and a lot of you are familiar with this type of thing, is the purpose of the term salvation is to escape something bad, namely hell. And some of us have cynically seen that where it almost becomes like a type of fire insurance. Like we're following Jesus solely so we can save or skip out on this type of punishment. We also hear the term salvation in this context. The world is a threatening place. Humans are a threatening place. And so we need to save our way of life. We need to save our church. Conservatives talk about saving our nation. Progressives talk about saving our planet. I think it'd be nice to save both, by the way. <laughs> but we talk a lot of that type of thing. we got to save this. What it means, once again, is... We need to save it from something, some type of rot, some type of decay, some type of destruction, some type of bad thing. We also hear the word salvation in this context of this, whew, I used to believe that, but man, I'm, I'm saved from that now. I used to feel so guilty. I used to feel so much shame, but... And I've been saved from all that. I have a lot of friends that talk about, I was saved from that narrow way of thinking. And often, once again, what they're talking about is this idea of, I'm now free to be myself. I'm set free from something bad. And one of the things I want to point out in all those ways that the word salvation is normally used, that it's most often used in our context to talk about being saved from something and the Bible does acknowledge that type of thing, but the Bible also talks a lot about how we are saved for something. And there's a slight difference there. Follow the preposition, right? Okay. To be saved from something bad, but to be saved for something good. And one of the things I really want us to think about this morning as we think about what it would be a robust understanding of salvation is to think of salvation as healing. And to be comfortable with substituting the word healed for saved. For in the Bible, they pretty much mean the same thing. To be saved is to be healed. And it's not just healed from something, but it's healed for something. Consider this. When you think about salvation and conversations on salvation, specifically in a theological church, religious context... The most common metaphor you hear is a criminal justice metaphor. Okay? This has always existed in church history, but it became even more pronounced this side of the Protestant Reformation. This idea that, that God is the judge, that you are on trial because of your sin, 
and you deserve punishment. And at the last minute, Jesus comes forward and takes the sentence, pays the price so that you are free from prison. Right? And in essence, get a get out of jail free card or something like that. I have explained the gospel so many times to people using criminal justice metaphors. And, and there's a sense in which that's not wrong, but there's also a sense in which it falls short and specifically can fall prey to some connotations in our culture that are unhelpful, okay, to put it mildly. So this morning, what I was going to think about, as I said, to think about the word save, which in the New Testament is soteria, okay, which if you hear someone talk about soteriology or soteriological or something like that, they're talking about salvation, okay. So soteria is the word there, salvation. The idea that that's basically what it means is healing. And I would encourage us to think about the metaphor of health care for what we think of in terms of salvation. Okay? And to use medical metaphors, healing metaphors, for our relationship with Jesus. And maybe realize the shortcoming of criminal justice metaphors. Okay? We're ready on this? Okay. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about COVID as a way to illustrate that and unpack that. But I want to be very careful. All analogies break down at some point. Okay, So if I start to use the COVID analogy and the vaccine in a way where you're like, well, actually the science shows, or, and I know COVID can be sensitive for people. Okay, All good analogies break down. The purpose of this is an analogy. So if it violates some type of science, my apologies. Don't come to me for your, um, don't come to me for your science. Uh, just come to me for how to follow Jesus. Okay, anyway. One of the most amazing experiences of the last five years for me was being part of the vaccine trial. Um, it really, really meant a lot to me. Because in the first month or so as COVID was coming out, um, I just want to be honest, it was... I was really sad the day that I realized I was classified as a non-essential worker. And a lot of you were classified that way too, right? And, uh, and I know they didn't mean anything by it. You know, I know the president and Fauci, and these, I, I know they weren't like, JP, you're really worthless. But like just the way it come across is I felt helpless and I, and I, I wanted to do more. And so at some point, as Beth was following the, the rate of the vaccine development stuff, and we would track all that stuff at night, I realized I could be part of the vaccine trial. And, and Beth and I, as well as Caroline, were all able to be part of the Pfizer vaccine trial. And it was a really neat type of thing. And like many of you, I spent so much time praying for the vaccine because I, because I wanted to be healed. I, I want to be healed from this thing that was so painful and that was causing great injury and harm and even death to people, but that also was throwing our way of life into such disarray, you know, and so much isolation and everything that was going on. And so um, it was really a neat thing to get the shot before everyone else did. So I got my first shot in September of 2020 and my second shot in October of 2020s. And then I got an antibody test uh, in late November, right before Thanksgiving and realized I had gotten the real thing. And uh, it was really a detriment to my ego to discover I was a non-essential worker. But when I found out I'd gotten the vaccine before all of you, I felt like Superman, okay? I was looking the sidewalk, no, I wasn't really, but like I was just like, germs give it your best shot you know and uh, it was amazing what it felt like to kind of be like on the inside of that and it was amazing what it did to my psychological outlook when i realized i have the vaccine and, you know when i when i got my second shot i was like lord help me to have symptoms help me to feel chills today and i begin to feel chills and i'm like yes i got the real thing because there it wasn't a definite shot i was going to get the real thing right um but then it was a realizing that other people hadn't had that same opportunity. And so a lot of people weren't psychologically in a place I was. And that makes perfect sense because you hadn't had the vaccine. So there was this sense in which I was ahead of a lot of people. 
And I hold on to that because I'm going to come back to that. There's a sense in which those that get to be part of the trial and got the real thing were ahead of people, not better than people, but just kind of ahead in the timeline. And that was kind of an interesting type of thing. What happened when I got the vaccine, I mean, I still wore masks, still took it serious and everything, but I was able to go ahead and live in a little different manner because risk had gone down and there was a type of healing that I'd experienced. We're going to come back to that in just a second, but I want you to I want you to think of it this way. The purpose of Jesus coming was to heal us of our sickness. You go to the very beginning of the Bible, when the world is created good and then unravels, and then by chapter 4, Adam and Eve's kids are killing each other. Okay? What is the sickness? The sickness is sin and evil. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it, and we collide into each other. And so the purpose of the gospel is restoration. This is the breakdown of the criminal justice metaphor when it comes to salvation. Okay? Because as I was taught salvation in a way that often used the criminal justice metaphor, it was Jesus goes to prison instead of me, and I'm set free. But there was no restoration of relationship. There was no, and let's not end up in court again, okay? There was no, let's get together with the victims and have mediation and make apologies. It was just, I'm out of jail. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go out. And there was not a sense of restoration. That's why the medical metaphor is so helpful, I think, for understanding salvation. Because the way Jesus comes into our life, Jesus heals us and enables us to live the way we were meant to live before we were sick. Before we were sick. And, you know, from all different types of sicknesses you get, someone will come up to you and say, hey, I heard you're sick. How are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm, I'm not contagious anymore and I'm feeling better, but I'm not quite back to where I was. Right? I've had this nagging cough for a month, or my allergies are bad, or I had knee surgery. I'm doing better, but I'm not quite back to where I was. And the beautiful thing about the healing that Jesus brings is Jesus enables us to be back to where we were supposed to be, in theological terms, the garden. How we were before we got sick. So the scriptures we chose this morning are all scriptures that talk about salvation in the context of healing. Justin led us off this morning with a story of Naaman, okay? And Naaman wants to be saved. He has leprosy, and he wants to be healed. He wants to be the way he was before he was sick. And he comes to Israel, and he washes in the Jordan River, and he is saved. He is healed from his sickness, and he is healed for the way life was supposed to be, a healthy life for him. Healed from the sickness and healed for the way life was supposed to be. Hayden read from Isaiah 53. That was our psalm reading this morning. The well-known Isaiah 53. The suffering servant begins to crystallize this idea that the Messiah will be a suffering Savior. But there's that powerful line in Isaiah 53. By his wounds... We are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. It's a medical reference. It's a healthcare image that we are healed from that. We are healed by the blood of Jesus from our sickness. And we are healed for this ability to live like we were always meant to live. And then the Zacchaeus story from Luke 19 that we just read. Look at that again. Take out your bulletin or take out your Bible and look at that story. We learn this a lot as kids because Zacchaeus is short and we come up with these names and we like that is of climbing trees when we're kids. Our neighbors had a sycamore tree, so I would like climb up in the sycamore tree all the time. This is, so this is one of my favorite stories because I'm like, I know that tree. I can visualize it. Okay. And I told you when I went to Israel uh, this past May and I went to Jericho, there's a sycamore tree there that they estimate is like four or five hundred years old. And they were trying to sell me on the fact that that's not the same tree. But it might be the great-grandchild of that tree. You know, anyway, but it was, it was fun. Nonetheless, it was fun. Okay. So Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, and Jesus invites him to lunch, and they go spend time together. And we have no record of what Jesus said to him. Maybe he said, maybe he said, listen, 
These are all the ways that you're sick and you need to get healthy. Or maybe they just hung out and it was the sheer influence of Jesus, okay? We talked about tax collectors so many times. Tax collectors were cheaters oftentimes, right? Notice what Zacchaeus said. He says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. If I cheated anybody, I'm going to give back four times the amount. Okay, notice that. He has few friends because he's a manipulator and a liar and a cheat. So when he interacts with Jesus, he decides, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor and I'm going to pay back four times the amount. And what does Jesus call that? Jesus calls that salvation. He says, salvation has come to this house. Put differently, Zacchaeus has been healed. So when Jesus says salvation has come to this house, he doesn't mean someday Zacchaeus will go to heaven. Although I believe Zacchaeus will be in heaven, and I believe that's part of it. But that's not the main thing he's talking about. And he's not mainly talking about, we well, are saving our way of life because Zacchaeus has done this. Okay? Or Zacchaeus is now saved from his guilt and shame. You know? No. What he's saying is, Zacchaeus has been healed of his greed and all their bad relationships he has messed up. He's been healed from that. His sickness was his greedy heart. His greedy heart. And he was forgiven and he was healed. He was healed from his greed. And he was healed for the ability to share. So notice how salvation and healing is not just phrased in the negative. What we're healed from, but what we're healed for. I'm healed from my greed so that I'm now able to share. And when he shares... His relationships are completely different, right? He makes restitution. He offers reparations to those that he has mistreated and those that is wrong. And he comes together and suddenly Zacchaeus is living the life he was always intended to live. Zacchaeus has been healed. Now, it's very much like the leprosy stories or the stories of blind people or things like that. It's easy for us to see that because it's a physical thing that they're healed of. But he's healed of his sin, and it was just as apparent to other people. When he would go up and say, okay, this is how much you owe on your taxes. Are you serious? That's not what you charged me last year. I've been healed of my greed. <laughs> I'm no longer charging that amount. I'm a different type of person. And then we get to our Revelation reading uh, that we're going to have as our closing reading, where he talks about the new heavens and new earth, and it's using all this language of Eden, and we see the tree of life show up, and it says that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That is salvation, that we are healed of our sickness, and that we are enabled to be the type of people we were always intended to be. I want you to think about this morning. What in your life needs healing? What do you need salvation from? To be clear, I do believe that there is a new heavens and new earth awaiting for us. I believe Jesus is coming back. We want to live there forever. It's part of it. It's just not the totality of it. What do you need to be healed from now? Is there worry or stress or greed or lust or anger? or covetousness, or revenge, or you're just not feeling good these days. What is it you need to be healed of? And what would it look like if we saw Jesus this way? I brought just a medicine bottle from my house this morning, okay? It was one of my family members' prescriptions, okay? Uh, which is empty. It reminds me I need to get more. But anyway, um, what would it look like if we thought of Jesus this way? That Jesus is medicine. And Jesus is good for us. And we have Jesus in our life. Things go better. Here's the thing. If I go back to the COVID vaccine illustration. Um, when I got the vaccine, I thought I was completely in the clear. And I thought I would never get COVID because I had the vaccine. And to be clear, I think I just assumed that. I don't think anyone ever promised me or told me that. Okay, I just kind of assumed that. 
Um, and then later, uh, it was uh, earlier this year, around the holidays, um, I got COVID. And I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. How in the world did I get COVID? And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up to get the vaccine. So I should never have to get COVID and all stuff. But here's the deal. We know this statistically. And I'm not trying to make a health announcement. I promise this is an illustration here. But like, vaccinated are less likely to get it. And when we get it, it's less likely to be serious. And I fell into that statistic. I did not have a bad case. And I have not gotten it again. I did not have a bad case and I've not gotten it again. And if we stick with that metaphor, when we have faith in Jesus, when we are washed, his name and was washed, we are healed. That doesn't mean we're never going to get sick. We're still going to struggle with sin and we're still going to struggle with evil. We're still going to have some ups and downs. I believe Jesus, if you have faith in Christ, I believe Jesus has healed you. And yet I look around and I know that there's still some more healing each of us want. And I want to say because of Jesus, you're less likely to get sick. And when you do get sick, it won't be as bad. But you're still going to get sick some this side of heaven. It's still going to happen. And there's a sense, if I can push this metaphor just a little bit longer, there's a sense in which you've been invited into a trial for this medicine, for this vaccine. And you can get the healing before the whole world gets it. You can get it early. Now, there's some responsibilities with that, though. To be a part of the trial that I've been in, I've had to go to the doctor every so often, get blood work, do different things. I've got to fill out an app on my phone once a week to give, tell them if I'm feeling sick. And when I forget to fill it out, they call me. <laughs> uh, Joseph P. Conway, yes. That's when I know it's the doctor calling. It's Joseph P. Conway. But um, you, uh, you forgot to do the app. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. And they say, you remember you agreed to be a part of this trial. Yes, ma'am, I know. I will fill out the app. Okay? Because to be a part of the trial, we've made a commitment. And part of that commitment, too, early on when there were folks in my life that were fearful of the vaccine, I would go up to them and say, I understand why you're fearful. But I want you to know that I got that shot. I think my life is better because of it. I got that shot, and I think my life is better because of it. And that's what it means for us to be Christians in this world. Jesus has not brought complete healing yet. Some healing, but not complete healing. And Jesus will come back. And we're still going to have some struggles. But are you willing to go first? Are you willing to go first? And just show to the world, I know you may not trust that this is the answer, and I know we say Jesus is the answer, and yet the world isn't better the next day. And you're like, aha, I told you Jesus was the answer. I told you the vaccine didn't work or whatever it is. No. Trust us. This is healing. So, one of the reasons I had this conversation is I want to start using the word saved more often. Because it's a biblical word. It's a word we need to use more often. I would like as a community that we should be able to go up to each other and say, Austin, what do you need salvation from? What do you need heal from? Clay, what do you need heal from? And to look at each other and say, can I tell you what Jesus healed me from this week? Because we live a good, we serve a good God who is the great physician that wants to bring us healing. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus is out there saving us. And let's grab onto that salvation. For it's a beautiful thing. Let's stand together and sing. <clears throat> Hark the gentle voice of Jesus calleth tenderly upon your ear. We in cry love and pity calleth turn and listen, stay and hear. He that labor and not heavy laden lean upon your dear Lord's breast. He that Your free is me.
He who calleth is the master, holy. He will teach if you will learn. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, lean upon your dear Lord's breast. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Then his loving tender voice obeying, took a cup of wine, passed it around to his apostles. That's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John records the Passover feast, but he doesn't include in his passage this event. In John chapter 6, he writes about the feeding of the 5,000. And that is a miracle that's covered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus separated from the crowds. There were 5,000 or more there. And the next day, the crowd went looking for him mainly because of that miracle and that he fed them. And they found him 
And John is the only one that records this sermon. For whatever reason, Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about the feeding of the 5,000, but only John goes into detail about Jesus being the bread and the purpose of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. I'm going to read from the NIV, and it's John chapter 6, verse 32 through 58. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day at this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said I am the bread that came down from heaven they said is this not Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how can now he say I come down from heaven stop grumbling among yourselves Jesus answered no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that they all will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I lived and I live because of the Father, so no one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, bless this bread that we're about to eat and be with us as we reflect on Jesus, our one and only Savior. In his name we pray, amen.
Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, bless this wine, this cup, and just be with us as we take it, representing Jesus' blood that covers all of our sins all of the time. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Three hundred thirty-three.
the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, the, and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let us pray. Holy God, we are looking forward to the, to the time when the curse will be lifted. There will be no more night, no more suffering. We ask that as we go out, that you would pour your spirit on us, that uh, you may use us to, to bring healing to, to each other and to the people that we encounter uh, in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, y'all. Announcements, birthdays this week. Uh, Jack Christian tomorrow turns 15 years old. Unlisted this week are both Aaron Woods and Jennifer Sternberg. You can ask them how old they will be. They'll probably tell you. Um, today, after church, middle school and high school are invited to a campfire lunch, followed by zip lining and catch the flag at JP's parents' house. JP is raising his hand. Hey, there's, there's still room to go. If you have a few more, they're like, ah, oh, I forgot, I'd like to go. Just Plenty of room, so go and have a big time with that. Um, because of fall break this week, we will not have a Wednesday gathering uh, this week. Just a lot of people are traveling. Uh, a reminder to sign up uh, for the ladies' retreat that is coming up less than a month of away. Um, all the details are there. Uh, and then uh, if you're looking to support one of our partners, uh, Open Table has a fundraiser coming up uh, here later this month. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to keep in your prayers this week, uh, Marion Corley has knee surgery on Tuesday. Um, so I'm sure she would appreciate a call or note. Um, Church, have I missed anything? Anybody got anything else? I just want to say the tickets, they're having a flash sale on the tickets for the next couple days, so you can get a discount. And, and so the money goes to open table, and you can come to listen to music, have fun, eat food. Awesome. Hang out with me. That, that's probably worth it by, by itself. So uh, <laughs> definitely sign up for that. Uh, Bonnie. Keep them, uh, John's cousin, right? Yes, keep, keep them in your prayers. Any other announcements? All right, well, it's so nice to see all of you this morning. We've got coffee and donuts downstairs. Christmas. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.